Hello, and welcome to another episode of Worked Up, the podcast where you learn to navigate the workplace, business, and your career with a little more ease and a lot less angst. I'm your host, Jacqueline Beck, and I am thrilled that we have our very first guest with us today. And I couldn't think of anyone better than my dear friend, Matt Weinberg. Um, Matt has a super interesting background, and I'm very excited to kick off the conversation with him. Matt grew up in Hollywood. And he wore a lot of different hats. So he was a writer, a producer, a manager of writers. He then decided to do a full 180 pivot into entrepreneurship totally outside of the entertainment industry and has now kind of combined both of them into a new executive coaching practice where he uses storytelling to help people get where they want in their careers and in their businesses. So Matt, Thank you so much and welcome to Worked Up. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Very excited to be here. Um, so without further ado, do you mind telling everyone your story a little bit? Sure. So, I mean, I professionally grew up in Hollywood. I actually grew up outside of Detroit, which I'm very proud of. Details. And uh, and uh yeah, I grew up in Detroit with a with a mother actress and a uh, uh, a lot of sort of content and story around our life. And then my brother moved out to Hollywood and he was working at an agency and left to be a producer. And I finished college and and the year later moved out myself to pursue what I thought was a writing career. I always wanted to be a writer. Um and when I got out there, I sort of found my way into a producing with my brother and developing with other writers. And that led me into a mail room at a management production company, um, which is sort of where you got to earn your stripes in the business. There's that and, book, right? The mail room uh, worked for. a Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's. it's uh Everything's true. <laughs> and then I worked for a literary manager and uh, and I just fell in love with representing uh, writers and directors and career building. And that's sort of the better part of my entertainment career was representing uh, talent and working with them. And and uh, and it gave me a chance to kind of satisfy my storytelling urges because we were developing story a lot, but also had this other side of really advocating for other people and helping them reach their potential, which is something I just became very passionate about. Um, and that's kind of what led me back to where I am today. It's so interesting that your mom was an actress growing up. Yeah, she was, you know, it's, it's not many people know about the, uh, illustrious Detroit theater, <laughs> but, uh, my mom, uh, she she was in New York. She met went back to Detroit where she grew up and and met my dad. And that's where they started a family. But it actually is a really good theater community. And she helped start some theaters. And, you know, we had a my dad passed away when I was three. So I was really young and, and my three siblings and I were all young. So we grew up with a, with our eccentric actress mother and a lot of bohemian characters around. Uh, but my mom was incredibly passionate about all types of, of storytelling songs. She's a singer, a lot of song, a lot of, a lot of influence from, 
from uh, culture in that way. And, you know, it's interesting. Movies played a big part of my life from when I was young. Mm. I think it was because I went through kind of like heavy stuff with my dad passing. And you that happened when I was so young. You know, you go through a lot of adult feelings and experience and adults don't tend to talk to you or recognize that you're going through that. You certainly, you know, I didn't know how to express it. And so movies became an opportunity for me to almost have a conversation around real issues, you know? So as a kid, I flocked to really heavy dramas like Kramer versus Kramer terms of endearment or, you know, the champ, um, which was just really interesting. And it really just tied me to storytelling because it, it was so influential in my own kind of development. Um, and uh, I'm not even sure if that was the question, but that's where it led. So we've talked about this because I, I love movies and I love story. First of all, I love the fact that you were watching Kramer and Kramer and all these really tough, hard hitting dramas at what, seven? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Plus, I had older siblings, so I was watching also incredibly inappropriate stuff at a young age. <laughs> I was too, but I'm the oldest sibling, so I don't know if there's an excuse for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but this this concept of storytelling is so interesting, and I know you and I have talked about this. But I was a classical civilization minor in college, and I grew up absolutely obsessed with mythology, and in particular Greek and Roman mythology. And there's this idea, and I think it's applicable to both, that you see yourself in the characters on screen. And it sounds like that's what you're talking about. Seeing these hard-hitting, tough things on screen helped you rationalize and make sense of what you were going through as a young kid, dealing with really adult things without a roadmap or a path ahead of you. And I know for myself, I've personally found that to be incredibly helpful and to almost be an escape in some ways also because it yeah, allows you to yeah. see things differently. Yeah, not only escape. I think and, and this is kind of what I'm fascinated with today as I look at it, for using story as a system for advocating for other people's development, growth, improvement, however you look at it, is that movies tend to be stories of growth. And we all know about the hero's journey. But if you look at a protagonist arc, it's it's the development of a character's emotional intelligence, of them finding their strengths and using their strengths to have success. And so Mm. for me, it also became a hopeful outlet. Even these dramatic stories were stories of growth and stories of triumph. And so the movies, to me, became a window to, oh, things are going to work out. There's a road through this. Even if it's tough, you find yourself and the people who have the most meaning to you and success through the journey. So fight the fight. Take your take your licks along the way. Um, but there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a brighter sun on the other side. Right. So as a kid, that was incredibly impactful, even though, and this is me looking back, right. I, it's not like I was digesting it in that way. It was just more this response to, even though these movies were dramatic, um, they had hope 
And it wasn't only dramas, right? My mom and my uncle <laughs> who played a big role in my life were obsessed with Mel Brooks and and comedies. And can you tell a story? You know, there was a good balance. Well, so Mel Brooks is a hero, not only of mine, but my family. I and mean, me. Is everything. And you. I think we've tried right. to have a Mel Brooks quote off once. It was very close. Yeah, exactly. You very do close. very well. I, it's very impressive. Thank you. Yeah. One of the best stories of a friend of our family is they uh, they remember their first memory of me and my cousin was walking into a room, into the kitchen, and we were both in high chairs. We were probably four years old, and we were going back and forth and reciting this exchange from Young Frankenstein. Uh, See, I'm History of the World, part one. Yeah, and Robin Hood, Men in Tights. You're, you're younger. You're younger than me. <laughs> Don't date yourself, but Matt. That exchange was between Gene Wilder and Cloris Leachman, and so I ended up producing a movie that Cloris Leachman started. And this was like the pinnacle of my career. No. And I developed this awesome friendship with her. <gasps> and so earlier in my career, I had the chance to work with Michael Gruskoff, who produced Young Frankenstein. And I was obsessed with it. I would always ask him questions coming to the, his office. Anyway, Michael Gruskoff and Mel Brooks are part of this group of older gentleman, this is a few years back, who would always have lunch on Cannon Boulevard at Beverly Hills at this restaurant, and they'd sit outside. And I had heard about this lunch, and one day I was driving by the restaurant. I was in the passenger seat of my friend's car, and I see Michael Gruskoff sitting at this table of all these old guys. And I know that Mel's there. I didn't see him at the table, and I like Tell my friend, I'm like, pull over. He doesn't know what's going on. I jump out of the car and I and then I casually pretend I'm just walking. Oh, yeah. You fly out of the car and then just right. casually saunter. <laughs> and then I just like, I'm like, oh, Michael. And I see Michael and he stands up and we say hello. And then Michael and Mel is sitting at the table and and he's like and Michael tells him, Mel, this is Matt Weinberg. He is he grew up. Him and his family love you and they're obsessed with you. And so Mel starts asking me questions. And I tell him at that time I was working in the TV business, running a TV company. And he asked me what I did. And, and we have this great little exchange. And he's like, you're going to do great, kid. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, That's amazing. Was that was the like, biggest confidence booster you've ever had? I mean, it was cool. It was just awesome. Well, and then, of course, I'm immediately on the phone calling my mom, calling my oh, sure. sisters. I mean, it was just awesome. So, That's so cool. Uh, yeah, it's cool. So it's I, cool. I Hollywood gives you like little moments between the pain uh, where you get to uh, get to meet your heroes. So that's kind of neat. Well, that's a good segue because Hollywood seems like this really sexy foreign thing to so many people. And I'd love to get your perspective on your own career and the industry and what what it actually looks like from the inside out. Well, you know, it's so funny. It's people have come to me, people move to Hollywood. Everybody wants to get off the bus and and make it big. And it doesn't matter if you're an actor or you're a producer or you want to be a writer or a director. But it's called the entertainment business for a reason, which is because it's a business. It's a business where you need tens of millions of dollars 
from another entity to actually get your shot to do these things. And I think one of the things that I found most creative and when people come to me and they, and I try not to be cynical. I love the business. Um, but everybody comes out just seeing the red carpet, mm. the premiere, the hanging at the parties, you know, all the things. And like any industry, you know, most of your days are phone calls and meetings. Right. And so I've always had this interesting thing that, and this is, sort of really prevalent in what I do now. You got to really find a way to enjoy what you do in the day. Yes, having the goal, having the dream, having that North Star that you're reaching for is important. Um, but work is work. And, and the entertainment business is interesting because you have all these creative people who want to believe that a, a an idea is the thing that's going to get there. And on the other side, they have people who have their own stresses around making decisions on investments that are going to reach audiences, that are going to sell tickets, that are going to be a good business decision. And I think one of the things I always worked with my clients on was really appreciating the business side of the business so that you could become the whole package. And I think that the people who understand the business side of the business, the creatives, you know, I mean, there's no bigger example than Steven Spielberg, you know, who's just this creative, but who gets the business of the business. Yeah. Um, and 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 so I think I don't know if it answers your question, but the, it's really one of the struggles. Um, and so being aligned with what you're passionate about, with who you really are. But with a truth about the world you're in. And what it takes to navigate it, um, I think that becomes clouded, certainly in the entertainment industry, maybe a lot easier than other businesses, because everybody thinks it's about the idea. Um, so that's one of the things that's hard to navigate, I think, inside of it. Well, what you just said, underpinning that, which really jumps out to me, is about knowing yourself and knowing what makes you tick, knowing what you're good at, knowing what you're not good at, and then also refining or maybe working on the things that you think could be your blind spots or your shortfalls. And it, it's funny because as you're talking, I mean, I was definitely one of those people who romanticized Hollywood. And I remember back in the days of watching Entourage when I was younger, I would look on the screen and be like, I want to be an agent. I want to be Ari Gold one day. First of all, talk about a TV show that does not hold up through a 2022 lens. First of all, my husband and I watched a few episodes. We were like, oh, geez, did we? Oh, gosh, this is a different time. Yeah. Anyways, but I, I remember I used to look at the screen and say, I want to be, you know, this, you know, tough agent. Mm. And knowing what I know now about myself, knowing how I am in confrontation, my feelings toward confrontation, knowing my strengths, knowing things I'm not necessarily as good at, I would have hated it. Yeah, I mean, you would have loved it, but <laughs> it might not have been the best choice. But listen, it comes with a lot of fun. I think at the heart, you know, where you started here is the idea about knowing yourself, the idea about being aligned, having real perspective. You know, one of the things that my partner and I work on is because we both were in entertainment, we developed hundreds of scripts and ones that became big movies and shows and, and that whole process. And it's interesting when you look at story, 
one of the things we're obsessed with from the idea of broadening your perspective and gaining awareness of yourself is that the role of the storyteller, which is this sort of like omniscient narrator or storyteller, not just can you do the Joseph Campbell version of archetyping yourself and aligning yourself with other people's stories. But what we like to look at is after working with writers to develop stories and realizing that the writer has to be such a student of the human condition, has to know their characters so well to be able to not only put them through the pitfalls of a hero's journey, but to write dialogue for them or to do it. So you have all these tools in developing stories as a writer to get to know your characters well. We're using those tools to help people become the writer of their own story and to look, broaden their perspective, to look at their life from the outside mm. and see all, all the elements of the world in order to then become the creator, to be proactive, to take control of their lives. Um, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about is we believe that there's a story that was written for you. That's the story of the house you grew up in, the family you were part of, the habits of that house, which are, are related to money or punctuality or volume, right? Like, like, <laughs> I, I'm not yelling is what I always say. This is how I talk. And, you know, all, all of that's the story that was written for you. And then your first job, what kind of boss do you have? And what we do, what we like to look at is like, okay, that's all great. That's the prequel. What's the sequel? How did you become the writer of the story moving forward? How do you, rather than being reactive to the habits and tendencies that were you were sort of given um, and that you embodied and embraced because they became your comfort space, how do you now become the writer? How do you look at who you are today? Who are you at the core? And how do you then make choices in every moment based on that, based on that information? Um, and so we're having a lot of fun using story to access mm -hmm. uh, not only information, but a roadmap for what we like to say is, you know, to write your own story, to write your story of success and, and your hero's journey. Well, what you're saying resonates so much with me. First of all, for anyone who doesn't know, Joseph Campbell is a very famous mythologist. He basically has cut up, every, you know, tons of different mythology from all over the world and constructed what he calls the hero's journey, um, which is a series of steps through which most heroes in storytelling go through. Um, it's been, you know, you the best example the bet is, yeah. is uh, maybe you're going there. Go yeah. for it. No. George Lucas, he was a consultant with George Lucas on Star Wars, right? So you had the archetypal father of, in Darth Vader and the son who's seeking a sense of his identity and the battle between his own inner struggle of good and evil and that and the outward manifestation of it. Mm -hmm. um, so Star Wars, if you want to know Joseph Campbell and his influence on and his belief system on archetypes and stories, Star Wars is sort of that is born from a lot of his sort of philosophical look at, you know, stories over the over the millennia. Well, and since talking to you about this, no, I mean, I can't watch stories in the same way because it underpins so much of 
writing in Hollywood. If you look at almost every major movie, it follows a very similar path when it comes to the protagonist. And it's this three act structure. And sure. It is, I think, underlying what you're saying so much and what you just said was the shift from reactive to proactive. And I spend so much time talking about that with my clients because it's really about how do you have agency and ownership over your career or over your role in business or whatever you're doing, as opposed to, oh, I'm just along for the ride and I'm reacting to whatever happens to me. So bring this all together for me. How do you take that you know, shift from reactive to proactive in this three act structure where you are the hero of your own journey or the protagonist of your own movie, like, you know, the the Luke Skywalker of your own Return of the Jedi. How do you apply that to your own career or business? Well, for us, we do look at it as a three act structure. We look at that that first act of of this process and what we believe to be any process of change is how do you have true awareness? How do you have a real perspective? So you you got to broaden that perspective. You got to look at yourself. We have development plans and tools that we built. Um, there's assessments that we use to just help you know you understand your personality. And, and I'm, I'm a practitioner of an emotional intelligence in the workshop. And and how do you understand? How do you show up in other people's eyes? Mm. How 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 empowering? How authentic? are you how self-aware are you so anyway the first act is is broadening that awareness and then claiming ownership over that information you have right you gotta own it Mm -hmm. you gotta say this is who i am and really take ownership over. can i just say something really quickly before you go to the second act this idea of ownership is so interesting to me because everyone wants to own something when everything's going really well no one wants to own it when it's bad No one wants to own their own shit. So before you get on to the second act, right, how do you advise people who maybe are blind to the bad stuff or don't want to accept or acknowledge or see the things that are on in their way? Well, so Carl Jung, right, one of the fathers of of psychiatry and, and, and analysis, had this theory that the change that you resist persists. Mm. So we talk a lot about the idea of what's the same and how is it manifested in the different chapters of your life? What is that change you're resisting? One of my favorite movies, not only from structural, um, but from the sort of lessons of growth is Groundhog Day, right? You meet this cynical guy and Bill Murray, he's fed up with his life. And talk about resisting change. He gets to live the same day over and over again. The story's about love and all he wants is love. And he ends up with Andy McDowell and it's beautiful in the end. Spoiler alert. The amount that he was. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The amount that he resists that change along the way. And it's it's relatable. It's true. Yeah. Changing is hard. And we just like we'll do anything. We'll create any scenario. We'll pursue any goal before people will like step into the messiness of accepting it. So a lot of it is a lot of the conversation. How do you navigate it? You got to face it head on. Mm. Right. But you also because we're dealing with high functioning, you know, uh, intelligent, successful people 
who claim ownership over a lot of other stuff in their life. Mm-hmm. Once you present the information, this idea of claiming ownership is essential to growth or change. Yeah. So they're kind of put on the hook of like, hey, you said you wanted this engagement because you wanted to improve. We now have information. If you're resisting using that information, then you're not committed to the thing that we started with, right? So there's a reminder there. And frankly, Groundhog Day is such a good example of that because Bill Murray has to go through the same thing over and over and over again until he accepts it. Over and over. Right. He tries to, like, what does he do? He can live the same day. He realizes there's no consequences. So he robs a bank. He sleeps with a woman, right? He does all this stuff where, and then he finds that that's empty for him and it kind of runs its course, right? Right. He gets to a point where he tries to kill himself. He tries to quit. He tries to do it. And he's sorry, buddy, you don't get an easy way out. And so it's like, he, but your, your point is right. You don't know if he's reliving the same day over millennia. It's like it takes him a while. They don't give you a context of how long it's been because it doesn't matter. It's the same day. It's that purgatory until he learns to claim ownership and just surrender to his truth Mm. and then make choices that are aligned with that truth. And so that's where the success comes. And that's a great segue. So it sounds like act one is about gaining clarity and really owning the good stuff and maybe the not so good stuff. Right. So that you at least have a baseline of where you are. Take me through act two and three. So act two is (laughs) we don't want you struggling for millennia. Right. So our act (laughs) is a little bit a little bit different than the the movie. But what it does claim ownership is you can then write the roadmap, right? You can, we, and we, you know, that you understand this. And as, as, as coaches and advocates, we have tools to address this stuff, Mm -hmm. right? So you get to, you get to dive in, you get to work it, you get to try it. There's a little bit of trial and error, but there's real impact right away. That's the difference between this process and movies. You try it, you claim ownership, and it's amazing how quickly clients see the impact in their own lives, mm-hmm. in their conversations, in their leadership, in their meetings, in their relationships. Even though I'm not a relationship coach, when they start to identify their need to listen, let's say, this was a big thing for me, becoming a coach and learning about listening. Obviously, you could tell I'm a talker. The, 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 <laughs> That's why we connected, Matt. It's made me a better husband. It's made me a better parent, you know, to, to kind of my wife always said to, about parenting. You got to meet the kids where they are. And I'm like, meet him where he is. He hasn't put his socks on for 40 minutes. We're late. How do I get She's like, but why hasn't he put his socks? I'm like, okay. So it's like, how do I get there? So anyway, the second act is really about working it. Mm-hmm. And then the transformation, that, that's where it happens. The third act, after you do all that hard work of the second act, that's where you get aligned. You're, you identify your true alignment. You, you, you've identified systems of accountability, whether that other people, you know, inside of, a, inside of an engagement with, a, with, with us, you understand this, we become a, a, an accountability partner. Yeah. How have you developed that in your life for when when the engagement ends? Mm-hmm. Is it, how do you have accountability to yourself? And then and then 
you get to live the change. Yeah. You get to you get to embody it. So um uh, that's that's an overview of the of the sort of structural thinking of the process of well, and change. I want I want to bring it back to you for a second because you've had such an interesting journey yourself in your career, um, and I'm particularly struck by what I think we'll call for this conversation Act Two, right? Joseph Campbell's Trials and Tribulations, where the protagonist or the hero has to go through a series of tests, right? It's up, it's down. But throughout the journey, the hero is learning about him or herself. They're growing. They're refining. You've had a really interesting journey, too. What do you think is the most valuable thing that you learned from those tougher times? Well, for me, I started a company and and it was affected by COVID. I left the entertainment business and I sort of chased an opportunity. Mm -hmm that allowed me to use some of my skill sets. I could, I raised money. I was, I rode, I rode this success train. And when COVID hit, when the hard times hit, what I realized on the other side of just going through survival mode and facing hard times, thinking I was going to lose everything, all of that, finding a way through it. I realized that I, I did not make a choice that was aligned with my strengths, my real sort of values that were most important to me. Mm. And when it got hard, you can face hard times when you're aligned and, and it's truly where you should be because then you have the skills and the awareness and the opportunity to navigate a situation, lead on people from a comfortable place. When it wasn't aligned for me, yeah, go ahead. Well, it's it sounds like what you're talking about is is learning along the way. And instead of getting caught up in the uh of all of the of the tough times, which everyone has, it's really about seeing the possibility and the learning experience in each of those things. I think that's right. And to have awareness of that when you're scrambling because you're out of your element and you're not in the right place or have made the right decision or put the right people around you, all the things that this idea of alignment can can help you make those decisions right. All of what you're talking about, having awareness and perspective inside the tough times, it's near impossible. It's hard to do. And so what I would say on the other side and the, the stock I took of myself in making a choice of what my next chapter would be was really a true look at myself, who I was, what my strengths were, mm-hmm. what my trapdoors are, right? There's a lot of tools we use like trapdoors and in, inside of a inside of a story. What are you gonna fall through? But how do you have the strength to navigate those, whether those be internal trapdoors, your own habits, or external elements? that hit you along the way. Mm. How are you prepared to navigate those? So for me, this idea of knowing myself and making sure the choice that I made, which to me was, I realized that my happy place is advocating for other people, helping people reach the potential, having true tools to do that, not Mm. just intuition. Mm -hmm. And so hopping into this sort of chapter of my life where I feel like, ah, I've finally 
put all the pieces of what I love, what I'm good at, what interests me, um, and where I can have impact in the way that's most important to me in my life. That I feel like I'm living that right now. Mm. Uh, now, you know, that's that I am fully sort of, it took a lot of hard work, but what, what it helps me do inside of being an advocate for other people is just kind of ask the same questions. Am I, a, could I have been a cautionary tale? Yeah. We went through a hard time and, and there were, there were moments when that business could have gone either way. Um, mm. And I feel like I now have an opportunity to speak to what, what maybe it takes to, to, to avoid that from happening. And so, um, but more than that, the reason that I say it, it's not about touting myself as someone who's going to affect change with people. It's about being aligned for me. I'm doing what I love. I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of how, what I can bring to my life right now that's important to me. And then I have to remind myself every day in moments of choice, is this choice aligned with who I, what's important to me and, and, and my North star that I'm reaching for. Um, and so it's kind of nice to be living it while I'm in the conversation with other people about it. That's, that's a good place for me personally to be. And it sounds like that experience is invaluable. As I reflect on my own career, I think the most illuminating times for me have been the toughest. The ones that yeah. were the hardest to go through, the ones where in the moment it felt really bad. But looking back, I grew so much. I proved to myself that I could accomplish and do and take care of myself in ways that I didn't think possible before. And I think this idea of possibility is the thread that's kind of running through everything that you've been saying during our conversation. And I like to say, I don't know if I've coined this phrase, but I'm going to take credit for it, that the best gifts can come in shitty packaging. <laughs> and I really think yeah. that's true. And, you know, hearing about your career from Hollywood, again, where you wore a lot of different hats. You were a producer, a, a manager of writers, a writer yourself, totally shifting gears, being an entrepreneur of a trucking business, right? And now you're bringing it all together very eloquently where you're combining the entrepreneurial piece that you got out of having your own business, which you have now in your coaching business, with your passion for storytelling and the eloquence with which that can help guide people. It, it's, it's really remarkable to see, particularly because I always like to use the metaphor that careers are like toolkits. Every step along the way, you pick up a different tool. One stop is a wrench. One step is a, uh, a screwdriver. You pick up some nails, you know, a, a Phillips, whatever, whatever it is. And then you learn how to, how to wield them and when to wield them. Right. And I think you're a, a walking, breathing example of that. So as, as we wind down, I want to rapid fire a few questions at you. Um, the first is, what do you know now that you wish you had known then? I think it's really around having the awareness of myself to be proactive in my choices and not reactive and imprisoned mm. by the habits and the limitations 
that what I call the story that was written for me was kind of holding me in. And so the idea of proactivity, of taking control, of making sure that this, your choices are motivated by who you are truly. Um, I don't know that I would have been aware enough to do the work, but even understanding my opportunity for agency, Mm. um, I think would have been helpful to me. Next question. What advice would you give to yourself 20 years ago or to someone who's listening to this podcast today? Well, first of all, after you explaining what goes in the toolbox, don't have Jacqueline build your house. (laughs) I don't think anyone would question that. Don't worry. I was in real estate, Uh, but never on the construction (laughs) side. (laughs) Thanks, Matt. uh, What advice would I give? Is that what the question was? Um, I think the advice that I would give is... It's funny. I'm sorry. I'm like in this, tra- this this track of thinking. I feel like I'm about to give the same answer to the last question. I but I would tell myself. I mean, I think that the advice that I would give: trust your gut. Love it. If it doesn't feel right, take the time to figure out what does feel right. But if it doesn't feel right, if there's something in there that's clawing at you, no matter whether the opportunity's there or the dollar signs are there. If, it, if there's part of it that doesn't feel right, just just don't do it. Amazing. Well, Matt, this has unsurprisingly been an incredibly fun conversation. I have a feeling that we're going to see you very often around this podcast. Um, but before we we head out, please tell everyone how can they connect with you? Uh, so Created by Leadership Group is our company, Created by by leadership.group um, and Matthew at created by leadership.group is where I could be emailed. And uh, I would love to hang around here. This has been fun. Thank, thank you so you. much for joining us. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on another episode of Worked Up. Please look out for new episodes on Tuesdays. We have some really exciting stuff coming down the pike. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, leave reviews, and please connect with us either on Instagram at Jacqueline Beck Consulting or at our website, www.jacquelinebeckconsulting.com. See you next time.